this special 9-11 edition of the Fire Mark, we visit the 343 Hero Challenge to pay tribute to the fallen firefighters, and a New York City first responder joins me to recount his experience being at the towers on that tragic day. The Fire Mark starts now. Welcome to the Fire Mark. It is September 9, 2023. We're here live at the Central Florida Firegrounds for the 343 Hero Challenge, sponsored by Orange County Fire Rescue, but really the brainchild of a few Orange County firefighters that started this annual charity event, what, about nine years ago? So this is the ninth annual event. After a few years, we're suspended due to COVID. I'm here with one of the founders and the event coordinator, Doss Bozeman. Welcome to the program, Doss. Right, nice. Thanks for having me. So explain to our audience what's going on here at the 343 Challenge. So today we're taking on an athletic competition to remember the men and women of 9-11. Not only the 343 firefighters, but all firefighters who were lost their lives that day. This is really quite the tribute to the 343 firefighters lost in the towers at the World Trade Center. These physical competitions look intense and really show the physical nature of what a firefighter has to go through on a daily basis to keep up their strength and training. Other than the obvious to pay tribute to the fallen heroes, is there anything else that inspire you to put on this event? Absolutely. We're using this event to help bring awareness and not forget those men and women and the firefighters, but also to raise money for charity, the Firefighter Cancer Support Network, and the Children's Burn Foundation of Florida. That's great that you're doing this all for charity and to help out people that need the help. And also, I would be remiss if we didn't give a shout out and honor at least some of the Orange County firefighters that have passed away in the line of duty. In fact, that I knew personally during my time here, including Carl Andriano, Stephen Shaky Van Ravensway, John J.P. Perez and Eric Sienna. Just wanted to note them, make sure they're not forgotten during this event as well. Anyone else that you want to give a shout out and remembrance? Yeah, we got Tommy Stevenson. He was an engineer on squad three. He was actually Eric Sienna's engineer when Eric was a fireman stationed at 42. Um, definitely want to make sure that he's also remembered. Uh, Mike Priester, you know, he was taken tragically by a drunk driver. Um, big shout out to him being part of the squad program a founding member of the Fools and a big part of the 2057 local union. Great, and also we want to pay tribute to someone who has not passed away but is hurt right now, Kelvin Vargas, that was injured in a fire uh, that we're hoping and wishing a speedy recovery that gets back on the duty soon. So, all right, thank you, Doss. We're going to do some more interviews with some other competitors and maybe some other people around here, and we'll be right back. And we're back. I'm here with firefighter Belinda Dotson. Belinda has been with OCFRD for seven years, and she's very popular in the department, and she's not only going to but winning firefighter skill competitions all around the country. She's also one of the event organizers for today. Belinda, tell our audience about how much this event means to you. Well, I was actually in New York during 9-11. My father was an NYPD officer, so I grew up in that first responder family. So once I transitioned to being a firefighter, this event just became very important and wanted to make sure that we commemorate the 343 firefighters that we lost that day, it having been so many years ago. We actually have people in the department who weren't even born when that happened, so we want to make sure that they understand the sacrifices that were made before them. Absolutely. I, I had no idea that you were a uh, family or, or you said your dad, right, was a fi uh, police officer? Wow, amazing. They still live up in New York? No, no. We're actually all here in Florida now. He's retired. Okay. That's great. So how, much, how do you keep yourself motivated to excel at all these events that you do and keep up with the high fitness demands required not only for the job but also to compete? 
So I'll put that on my parents. They started me in sports when I was young. So I just carried that along through everything. I transitioned from college sports to doing CrossFit. And then once I started firefighting, I just found firefighter sports to continue in. And being fit and healthy is so important to the job. So it motivates me to continue to do well in this event because I know the level of fitness that's required for it. And then I just have a passion for it and I have fun doing all these events. So what kind of sports did you play when you were little that helped motivate you to get to this point? I think it's easier to say what didn't I play. Um, everything varied from soccer, cross country, running, basketball, softball. But softball is the one that I continue to through college and then continue to play today. So do you feel more like when you're talking about soccer and cross country, more of the endurance athletics and sports were really what kind of helped motivate you to become a firefighter? Because a lot of firefighter training is all about endurance and pushing yourself beyond your limits and so forth. Yes, that's how all my training begun. And then once I started the weight training and the CrossFit, it transitioned very well into the fire department as well because we do have to be strong in order to carry around the equipment and then also be able to pull people out of buildings that may be larger than us. And with our, all our equipment being strong and being cardiovascularly, having that cardiovascular endurance as well, they're both very important. And for the listening audience that might not know, there is no uh, time off or woman's tea or anything like that in the fire service. Every person, no matter if you're male or female, competes in the same way, has the same level of skill that they need to complete, the same benchmarks, where it's weight or time or whatever it is. So there's no easy way out if you're a female. You have to compete the exact same way as the male because, like you said, you got to pull a firefighter out, and it doesn't matter if you're male or female, you got to get it done. So... What upcoming events are you competing in that we can follow you at? So next month in October, I will be at the Firefighter Challenge in Stewart, Florida. I'll be competing in the world's competition against 220 other athletes from all around the world coming for the title. That's awesome. So Stewart, Florida in October. All right. That's great. Let's follow Belinda out there. And Belinda, thank you for your time. That was Belinda Dotson of Orange County Fire Rescue Department, one of the event organizers. And we will be right back. And welcome back to the Fire Mark. I'm here with Fire Chief Martis Mack. Chief Mack's been with OCFRD for 19 years. So tell us, Chief, where were you on 9-11? 9-11, I was working for a uh, travel agency, and I was sitting in a, at my desk when all of the, uh, as we were watching the monitors, we saw the planes go into the World Trade Center. Uh, so I was at work, just kind of like everybody else, going through my normal day routine, witnessing everything on TV as, as it was as it was portraying on TV. Did this inspire you to kind of get into the fire service from there? Yes, yeah, so my dad was actually a uh, firefighter, so I'm kind of a second generation firefighter, but I've always wanted to be a firefighter. Uh, after that day happened, uh, I knew for sure that that's, that was my calling, that's what I wanted to do, was be, become a firefighter. And I, I joined Orange County Fire Rescue and I've been loving it since day one. And where was your father a firefighter at? My father was a firefighter in uh, Lakeland, Georgia. A uh, little town right outside of Valdosta, Georgia. He was a volunteer firefighter. Uh, so he did that for many, many, many years. Wonderful. Volunteer firefighter, too. That's a whole different animal. Absolutely. So 9-11 obviously was a monumental day in our history and influenced us and our country in many different ways. So tell us what this challenge, the uh, firefighter event we have going on here, represents for you and for the department. It just represents the, the commitment and the, the dedication that we're showing towards the 343 that lost their lives that day. 
Uh, to keep this going every year, it's, it's a big uptaking, but uh, it just shows the dedication and the, and the tribute that we're showing to those brave men and women that lost their lives that day. Great. Yeah, you know, I've volunteered for this event for many years in the past. I'm so happy to see it grow and expand every year. I know this is the first year at the Central Florida Firegrounds. We had Chief Rios do the introduction, and he was talking about we're doing a big Orange County facility that's going to open up soon, and two years from now we're that's going to host the event. So what do you see other than that, obviously, for the future of Orange County Fire Rescue and the future of the fire service in general? I think the future of the fire service and Orange County Fire Rescue is, is bright. Uh, we have a lot of young uh, talented guys that are and, and women that are coming into the fire service with good ideas, bright ideas, and uh, as we implement those, I think it's it's going to be beneficial for the citizens and the visitors of Orange County and uh, the citizens of all over the world. So I'm just looking forward to the to the bright future that that leads that's that's that we're going to see out there. So, well, fantastic, and again, thank you for your service, Chief and Chief Mack. Appreciate you being part of the program and taking the time. So, and we will be right back. And welcome back. I'm pleased to be here with uh, Jorge Hernandez. Jorge is a lieutenant with Orange County Fire Rescue. has been with the department for about 15 years. So tell our audience what this event means to you as a competitor. Hey, good morning, Alex. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, it means a lot to me. I've been competing since the very beginning, since this whole thing started. Every year it gets bigger and bigger. And um, every year it means more to me. As I get older, I want to continue to compete. And um, it means a lot to me because this is the only way I know how to honor those firefighters that passed away in the 9-11. That happened during the time I was in high school, and I served in the military right after that. So to me, this is one way to be able to pay back, um, is to be able to honor them by working out through my fitness. So yeah, you mentioned that you served in the military, so thank you for your service. Uh, you mentioned that you served in our country overseas in Iraq between 2002 and 2006 with two tours over in Iraq. How does firefighting compare to the training that you received and the experiences you went through serving our country? Uh, it compares very, relatively the same. I mean, it's, um, it's a lot of, you know, blood and sweat, tears. Um, truly, it, it, it has a lot of comparison to that. The brotherhood also that, that compared to it, just like in the Army, I was in the infantry. So that brotherhood there is also compared to everything we do together as far as like working out and all that. Uh, it's the same thing in the fire service. You know, we, we're only as strong as our weakest link. Um, no brother stays behind, everybody keeps pushing. And th that's why I was able to relatively fit well in the fire service because the, they ha the similarities are just exactly alike. So did you feel coming out of the military that firefighting was the way to go? Or did you always have a feel that you wanted to be a firefighter after you got out of the service? It actually started around high school. Um, there was a guy that I looked up to that took me in. He was a big mentor of mine. His name was um, Ivan Chavez. Uh, he's now retired from the city of Miami. And he's the one that pushed me to go into the military. And he told me when I get out, he'd like pay him a visit at the station. And I did. I, paid a, uh, I went and paid him a visit to the station. And he took me on a call. He took me on a ride. He, took me, he, let, he allowed me to hang out with them for the day. And I knew at that very moment, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And it was um, at that moment I decided I'm going to go ahead and make this, uh, take this serious. And I've been firefighting now for 15 years. That's great. And we really appreciate you working out and playing tribute to the fallen firefighters. And obviously, again, thank you for your service. And uh, Lieutenant Hernandez, thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you again, Alex. Thank you for everything you're doing. All right, and we'll be right back on the fire mark.
And welcome back. I'm here with uh, Jason Wheat. Jason Wheat is also part of the 343 Hero Challenge and also helping out one of the event coordinators. Jason, good to see you again, buddy. What is uh, what does this challenge mean for you here today? Uh, first of all, I just want to say thanks, Alex, for coming out here and doing this stuff and and letting everybody know about the 343 challenge and what it you know what it entails and what it means. Uh, it means to me is I've been here since the first one, and I've been involved in it, and I've just seen it grow and grow and grow. This year, it's at the fairgrounds because we have so many people interested in it. And um, it's, it's important because now the younger generation coming up as firemen, they don't even know about 9-11. They don't even know about the 343 firefighters that died. And I think this is a remembrance and also gives them a breath of fresh of, of why, how important it is to become a firefighter and how important the job that is that we have and how important it is actually to stay physically fit in order to do our job. And that's why I love this competition. And then also it brings the public in here too and they get to see a little bit of what we do and uh, what goes on behind the scenes that they don't get to see all the time. So. For those who don't know or listening, uh, Jason Weed is also called John Cena because he looks exactly like John Cena. So um, he has been basically a personal trainer and fitness guru since, I don't know, since the beginning, since he came out of the womb. Uh, I know played football at University of Illinois, diehard Canes fan. So what inspired you from the beginning to go ahead and be like a career athlete and keep your body in shape and, you know, also inspired you to be part of a firefighter? Well, that's that's one of the main reasons why I became a firefighter. Also, main reason that to, to help people, and I and I love that. But also, just because of the physical aspect of it, I you know I I did play football. I was in the military, and uh, I was always interested in, in physical fitness. Always interested in challenging your body. And I know that being a fireman, you have to be an occupational athlete, and that's what kind of drew me to the occupation in the first place. And then when I got in here, I wanted to give back of my knowledge throughout the, throughout my years before a fireman to firemen now to make them better and to help them also live a long and healthy career so they're able to enjoy their retirement. Fantastic. Anything else you want to add about the event or anything that's going on right here? Uh, if you haven't been out to the 343 Hero Challenge, I suggest next year that you come because it's a great event. It's a hometown event. It's local. A lot of different departments here, and it's just great to see, and it's great to root on the athletes and, uh, and also remember 9-11 and 343 firefighters that died. Awesome. Jason, I appreciate the time, buddy. Thank you very much. And welcome back to the Fire Mark. I'm honored to be joined by Winter Garden Fire Chief Jojo Gianza over here. Jojo was uh, my fire chief when I first started in the fire department. He was my battalion chief, Battalion 5, Orange County Fire Rescue. We were chatting earlier with uh, almost 40 years of service. Yeah, pretty close, 36. That's that's amazing. Well, way to dedicate your life, obviously, to helping others, and it's amazing. So tell us what this uh, challenge here and event means to you. Well, obviously, this challenge started nine years ago, and in my current position now as fire chief for Winter Garden, it means a lot to my guys. My guys uh, always have uh, kind of their own little event going on in the city where they do a stair climb kind of thing going on at our parking garage, and this brings a lot of camaraderie together, a lot of good spirit for the guys, and uh, it's just it's a really good focus on their health and well-being because a part of this is about that is about firefighter health and well-being yeah and also obviously paying tribute to those that are fallen so you're saying that winter garden has their own competition they do when is that no it's not a, it's not their own competition it's kind of like our own in-house thing that we do on september 11th we kind of the guys that are on shift decide 
to get together at our local parking garage within our city and they do their own stair climb they pretty do, it's a three-story parking garage and they pretty much do a stand from the bottom floor to the top and they do it for every year up and down for every year uh, since September 11th so I think this year it's going to be 22 uh, evolutions that they're going to do and the off-duty guys join them as well that's fantastic they do that full gear on air yes sir okay uh, that, I mean, it's amazing the what the firefighters had to do in 9-11 where they had to climb all those stairs uh, with the air pack, with high-rise packs and everything to go ahead and rescue the victims. I mean, it's no joke. We train like that, but we don't train for something where you got to climb 50, 75 steps in an emergency situation to boot. So it's just an incredible event right here, and I'm, I'm very happy to be part of it. Uh, tell us what actually inspired you to go ahead and start in a career in the fire service. Well, I came out of the military. I was a, a hospital corpsman. I was mostly assigned with Marines, so I was on the uh, the green side of the Navy. And uh, when I came out of the fire service, one of the guys, uh, petty officers that I was assigned to in my reserve unit, said, "Hey, you know, I don't know if you've made a decision on what your career is going to be, but I think uh, you might want to try this because you're you're a paramedic and." You know, the fire service is needing paramedics, and it's probably a good place for you to be. So uh, he got me there, and uh, that's where I started. And I started originally with Brevard County for about 10 months and then ended up with Orange County, where I stayed for about 26 years and currently now with Winter Garden for nine years. And I've loved it. I've made the right choice in my career decision. I'm very happy. Um, I'm proud of what I do and what my people do. And it's a service. And that's what I like to do. I like to take care of people and, and help. And this is I've I've had the pleasure of doing it for over 36 years. And it's amazing that, you know, you started, you know, obviously at the bottom, worked your way through the ranks and now a fire chief of a major department. So congratulations on doing that and dedicating your life to, you know, helping others and all that stuff. So Chief Gianza, I really appreciate it. I really appreciate our time and our thoughts, our time together when you were my battalion chief and helping me out uh, basically as a rookie, learning some stuff and training with Lieutenant Kleiman. Shout out to Lieutenant Kleiman about learning a lot in the fire service, really shaped my career and actually changed my life in a lot of ways. So I personally want to thank you for that. Oh, you're very welcome. It was a pleasure to work with you. That was uh, Fire Chief Jose Gianza of Winter Garden Fire Rescue, and we will be right back. Welcome to the Fire Mark. Thank you for making this program part of your day. Today is September 11th, 2023, and I'm your host, Alex Berg. On today's show, I'm honored to have my friend and brother in the fire service, Jose Cotty. Jose is currently a lieutenant with Orange County Fire Rescue, but prior to coming to Orange County many years ago, Lieutenant Cotty served as an EMT first responder for the city of New York and was on scene when the towers fell on 9-11. I'm blessed to have him join me today as we mark the 22nd anniversary of that fateful day. That changed our country forever. So welcome to the program, Lieutenant Cotty. Good morning, brother. So uh, grateful to, to be on your show. and Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. So first off, tell me why you chose a career in helping people first as an EMT and later as a firefighter paramedic promoting through the ranks to your current title as lieutenant. Well, it's like I think like most firemen know, like you know, Alex, it's a, a deep innate desire to want to serve others and help. Um, my personal experiences with uh, at a young age watching the FDNY actually work in the in the in my neighborhood in the city of New York. I actually experienced two fires in my building, and I uh, was able to see them go to work and, and to perform and, and and to see how fearless they were and how well they 
responded and, and how fast they put those fires out, it just inspired me. And uh, something that uh, that stuck with me and, and something that I was like, wow, I, I would love to be a part of something like that. And so um, that's where it began, at least in my heart is where it began. And then ultimately when to, that desire started to grow, I, I wound up uh, joining the FDNYMS command back in 2000. Um, I was with the department for about five years, and uh, it was a, a great experience. And then uh, ultimately, once I, after 9-11, there was the mass exodus. I, I had decided that at that point, uh, it was time to move, move on. And maybe at another time, I can share why. It's a, it's a lot that was going on during that time. But 9-11 was definitely one of the reasons. And I uh, moved to the, the great state of Florida and, and was able to uh, through reciprocity, get my EMT, then my paramedic, and go through uh, standards, and then be able to become a fireman in the state of Florida, and then ultimately join the uh, Orange County Fire Rescue, which I'm currently as a right now as a lieutenant, hold the rank of lieutenant. That's fantastic. So obviously, you brought up 9/11, and that's why we're talking. Walk us through September 11, 2001, if you don't mind. Wow, it, it's uh, such an incredible day that remember it vividly. I remember that day we were. Uh, started shift our shift my shift was from seven in the morning till three in the afternoon and uh i had uh met actually my my partner that day was i don't remember her name but she was that was her first day on the job she had come from dispatch and she had uh they assigned her to me to train her uh and so that was her first day on the job uh, that particular day. And, and I remember that. That's one of the reasons why I remember it was because of her. So we started off the day um, checking out our our bus. Uh, again, FDNY jargon for anybody who doesn't know, an ambulance in the FDNY, even in the NYPD calls it a bus. Here in, in Orange County, we, we call it a rescue. So as uh, most departments do, every morning you check out your, your, your rig, you you check out all your equipment as you're preparing for the day, making sure you're ready to go. And we, our very first call, I believe it was roughly around 7.30, maybe 7.45, uh, got a call for a diabetic at a movie studio down in Long Island City. And uh, we wound up responding, and it was actually out of our first due. It wasn't even in our area. We wound up going, I guess it was another unit that was um, on a call, and we wound up responding there. And long story short, wound up meeting this gentleman who was uh, was a diabetic, and he obviously his blood sugar was low. Um, he was actually fine. Wound up being an RMA, and I uh, refused to go to the hospital. But it was there where we actually uh, got notice of one of the towers actually was struck by an airplane. One of the uh, I guess the guy who had originally called nine one one. It was this buddy who actually had a, a telescope that was there out in the parking lot and it had it pointed towards South Manhattan. And the guy called me over and he was like, hey, buddy, why don't you come over? I want you to take a look at this. And uh, as I approached, I went in and I started looking through the telescope and I saw one of the towers was on fire. That was my very first image or glimpse uh, or look at the, at the tower when it was struck. And I just remember saying to myself, it's like, oh, man, you know, that that really looks bad. And initially I thought oh, maybe it was a small prop plane that hit, you know, the tower and initially it looked pretty bad. And I just remember telling my partner, 
was like, man, you know, uh, this, this looks pretty bad. I got a feeling that we're going to get called to this. And I'm telling you, Alex, not even five seconds later, the tones went out in the in the in the bus. It was uh, multiple tones, do 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 do. You know, it was all hands. It was, uh, you know, uh, four six Bravo, four six Charlie, four six. They started announcing all units, and ours was one of them. And uh, we we began to respond to the towers, and, and uh, initially got we were sent to. Uh, staging, which uh, remember, I think it was somewhere in Broadway and Church, Broadway and West. And uh, for anyone who's familiar with the city of New York, and um, so we started to respond. And that I, I remember that vividly because obviously you can imagine is you're responding to a call with that, that kind of you know that, that that magnitude. Looking back at it, it, it was incredible. The anxiety levels, the fear, everything was all these emotions was running through your mind. Because, you know, deep down inside, you realize this was a big job. This this was something that uh, I've not ever experienced uh, prior to that. The closest thing that I actually experienced to 9-11 was the Father's Day fire, which was on June 17, 2001, where three FDNY firemen perished at, a, uh, at an explosion at a hardware store in Queens. And that was pretty big prior to uh, 9-11. So anyway, so as we were responding, I, I remember we, we went over the 59th Street Bridge. We were very close and started heading to South Manhattan. And I remember the NYPD uh, RMP pulled up next to us and he rolled down his window and he was telling me, hey, we don't have any sirens. Can you lead us down Second Avenue? And I was like, no problem. And then and we had our sirens and lights glaring. And I looked through my side mirrors and <laughs> there was this armada of firemen and trucks in motorcycles, NYPD, RMP units, all behind us. It, it, it was just surreal, Alex. I, I can't even, and that was just the beginning of our response. So as we started to respond, I believe at that point, the second tower got hit. Um, we were getting, prior to even reaching uh, Broadway and Church, prior to reaching staging, we were getting multiple calls for jump it down, jump it down, jump it down. So a lot, you know, during that time, as you can see, you know, a lot of uh, most of America's, you know, I'm sure captivated and watching this on TV and seeing the uh, a lot of our fellow New Yorkers, you know, jumping off the building. So we're getting a lot of those calls. And um, so while we were in route, we were actually being dispatched to multiple locations. So you can imagine the chaos. It, it, we just didn't know where to go. We're just like, you know, what, we're going to go to stage and we'll get. We'll figure it out there. We'll get our assignment. And then um, as we were heading closer to the towers, we were heading, we were on Broadway. And there's a certain part of Broadway where there's a roundabout. And so Broadway is a, uh, a two-way street, right? And it's just roundabout. I don't remember if it was just 14th Street or maybe a little closer to the towers. You can actually see the towers from Broadway as we're heading in. And as we started to approach the roundabout, we're starting to make the turn. Then all of a sudden there's this ESU officer running towards me, towards the, towards the, towards the bus. And behind him is this cloud of this dust cloud rushing right behind him. And he was uttering explicit words, as you can imagine. He was telling, get the heck out of here, get out of here. The towers are coming down and all of the smoke was starting to approach us. And at that point, we were at a, at a, we were able to make a perfect U-turn 
and turn completely around and head back on Broadway and probably drove a couple of blocks away and just staged or stopped where we were and kind of got our composure. Because as you can imagine, what we were seeing in front of us, had it, had it not been for that officer, we more than likely would have, we were, we were definitely heading to staging and we would have headed towards those towers. And only, you know, God only knows what would have happened. And uh, so at that point, we staged, uh, you could actually feel the rumblings of the street as the building was coming down. I mean, it was insane. And uh, you could imagine we were, we was just nervous. We were, we didn't know what to make of it. I was trying to process all this. It was, it was very difficult. And so a couple of minutes passed by and all of a sudden, we're getting a knock on the, the back of the bus. And there was this lady who uh, approached, finally approached the front of the front of the bus and she was covered in soot. Her face was all bloodied. She was a lady that worked at the towers and uh, she was asking for a ride to the hospital. And I remember at the time, I think there was, uh, I think it was St. Vinny's, St. Vincent's Hospital was where we ultimately took her. So she wanted to go and she was a female. We got her in the back. So we asked her, you know, what was going on? She's just, you know, obviously she was obviously hurt and her being female, my partner was female. So I, I asked her, hey, listen, do you mind taking this one? I'll go ahead and drive, but you know, her being female, she can actually go ahead and check her. It's a little bit more you know, comfortable being with another female. So uh, we wound up, going to uh, St. Vincent's Hospital. So as we're heading our, our way to the hospital, we, we approach the bay and, and you have this, this scene where all of these doctors, I mean, they must have been like 20 or 30 of them. They're all standing waiting for us to get there. And, and one of the things that I found that was quite eerie and, and quite surprising, that there was nobody there. There was nobody there. There was no other ambulances there. It was just us. And they all gravitated to us. And they all grabbed her. And they, they as soon as we got her, we got the stretcher out of the ambulance. They, we, they rushed in and they took her. And, and that was the last time I saw her. And, and I, I remember as I was uh, kind of just organizing myself, organizing the rig and, and, and getting our equipment ready and, and grabbing the, the longboard. I remember I got a tap on the shoulder and uh, one of the ER doctors approached me and said, hey, you, this lady that you brought over, uh, did you notice anything wrong with her? I said, I said, no doc, I was, you know, I was in, I was driving the rig. I had my, my partner was in the back with her. Uh, other than the obvious, she had a lot of blood coming on her face and from her head and she was filled with soot. Uh, but I didn't see anything other than that. I didn't see anything obvious. And the doctor tells me that this lady walked from the 79th store, walked down from the 79th story as they were being evacuated, walked all the way down, walked all the way from Broadway, all the way to where we were with a broken femur. Oh, wow. I was stunned beyond belief. And I thought, my initial thought, I was like, oh, man, I'm in trouble. <laughs> How did we miss this? But uh, but the doc the doc was like, hey, listen, you know, you didn't do anything wrong. I just wanted to share that with you because we're just as amazed as you are hearing this because the lady was made it all the way to you on pure adrenaline. You know, it was the fight or flight. Yeah. And uh, and uh, that was the only call of the day that we had. 
incredibly. And 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 other than that, you know, we we kept getting dispatched for all the calls, but we couldn't make it in for obvious reasons. The towers had fallen at that point. Uh, it was just almost impossible to to make it through. The city had been shut down at that point, and we were there pretty much the entire day. And so. Uh, we decided at that point that, I mean, there was nothing else that we can do. I, I couldn't explain it. It was so eerie. It was like it was a ghost town. There was nobody around. Uh, and at that point, after being there for several hours, I, I can't even can't even tell you how long, how long we were there. And we, we decided at that point. At that point, comms were down. We had lost complete communication with dispatch. We were all by ourselves. We were just, you know, my partner at that point was like, Cotty, I'm done. I'm, I, I don't want to, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm finished. I have an eight year old son. Take me back home. I was like, you know, and I, and I, I was like, listen, there's still people that need us. You know, we gotta, we got, we just can't leave them. You know, I, and again, Alex, you know, honestly, man, I, I wish I, I can tell you some heroic story. I was scared, man. You know, I, I, I didn't know what to say. I, I didn't know what to do at that point. You know, and I, I gave some patriotic line. I, I couldn't even, I didn't even remember. And and she wound up sticking around for a little longer and we wound up going back. But again, there was nothing else that we can really do. There was, comms were down. There was nobody around. It was just insane. And so at that point, after being there for hours, we decided let's make it back. Let's, let's head back to the battalion and then see if we can get, we can get some redirection and kind of, get our composure and figure out what else we can do. I guess we felt like more than likely we're probably going to get sent back. And so we wound up making our way back. And there was, as you can imagine, again, at that point, the city was shut down. uh, And there was this, uh, we decided to head back to the 59th Street Bridge. And that in and of itself took hours. There was a mass exodus of people just walking on the bridge. And all I remember is we were heading towards the, the bridge there were people, and we were we were at a snail pace, maybe five miles an hour. We were moving, if even that. And people were knocking on our bus, and they were like, "Hey, can we jump in? Can you please give us a ride? We're heading over to Queens." And we just opened the doors, and everybody jumped in. A pregnant lady was sitting on on top of the hood. We had people on on the hood. I mean, it was it was nuts, man. It, it was. Um, but we were helping as anyone that we could, you know, everybody just jumped in and we finally made it to, to Queens and everybody just started getting off the, getting off the bus. And then we started heading our, making our way back to the battalion. Unbelievable. Unbelievable story. It sounds like you actually had one of the very first transports from after the towers fell to the mm-hmm. hospital, uh, just, uh, happened to be at the right place at the right time, so to speak. And, right. um, and, you know, yeah, incredible that that woman walked on a broken femur and, uh, yeah. you know, everything yeah. that, that you went through. Do you personally know anyone who who lost uh, their lives that day? I do. In fact, um, there was a <clears throat> that morning when we were checking out our rig. There was a friend of mine named Carlos Lilo. He's a paramedic with the FDNY. He was, I think, at that point, he uh, saw a job for about close to 20 years. And uh, just remember him. He was getting off shift, and uh, he he had his last transport. 
he was getting his patient off of the out of the ambulance and, and going into triage and and uh, he came back out and, we, and I was checking out the rig. He came over to me and we just started talking. And you know, farm, fireman banter, you know, five FDNY banter. We just talking and, and and how was your shift and how was the I was your tour and how was everything going and I was asking him, you know, what were you planning on doing for the rest of the day? You know, normal stuff, you know, normal talk. And uh, he was telling me that he was um, getting ready to go uh, go out and about and do some chores and I think ultimately go meet his wife. And so what I had found out later on, it wasn't that same day, but it was later on, got wind that, uh, or that night, they couldn't find Carlos. They couldn't find, they couldn't find him. And it come to find out that um, when the towers were struck, his wife actually worked at the tower. I don't remember if it was the North Tower or the South Tower. But she was working that day, and he immediately ran, you know, he got in his vehicle, he ran to to the towers to go to go get his wife and uh, long story short um carlos wound up going to the towers and and uh he, he didn't make it back he lost his life at the towers uh come to find out that his wife had safely evacuated and had gone to another location and she's She's alive. She she didn't she didn't perish in the towers, but uh, but he did go in there trying to trying to help her, trying to find her and get her out of there. Oh wow! Oh, that's yeah. Awesome. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, so you can imagine, you know, it was the last conversation I had with him. Yeah. And, uh, so that you know, that's still that that's uh, that lingers. Something on yeah. Oh yeah. That's tough. It how is. about you? How how were you able to respond when you finally able to contact and visit your family following the events? Yeah, it was crazy. Like I told you, it was all comms were down. Um, as you can imagine, uh, family members were calling and, and trying to get trying to get any kind of information as far as uh, where I was, and, and not only myself. You know, I also have a brother on the job, and uh, I'll tell you about that in a second. Interesting, interesting story with that. But um, so the comms were down and my lieutenant at the time um, didn't didn't have any information on us. And I remember my wife at the time went to the battalion, went to the station, inquiring and say, hey, you know, I've heard of my husband and, and we're trying to figure out what's going on. And he actually told her that he believes that we perished at the towers. Hmm. He actually he actually told her that. So you can imagine, you know, at the time my son was six years old, wife, you know, she was obviously freaking out. And, uh, and so in some ways I understand, I, I, I guess, you know, uh, I mean, I wasn't in his shoes. I, I don't know how I would have reacted, but, you know, under the circumstances that, 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 that could have been a, an easy conclusion to come to. But when I wound up, when we wound up arriving that evening uh, to his surprise, you know, it was like, oh man, uh, please contact your, your wife. I told her that you had passed away. And so when I had finally called her, you know, uh, actually I didn't even call her. I actually went, I, we were out of service at that point. Wanted to be able to, to reunite with her. And, and it was, a, as you can imagine, a real happy reunion. And I was glad that to see that I was still alive. No, I wanted to share with you about my brother. And, and there was another person that I also knew that had passed away. My brother was on a job. He's in 260 engine in Long Island City. 
he was a fireman of uh, DFDNY. He's now since retired. And uh, he, uh, that day, he um, did a mutual with uh, a fireman called, my uh, name was Michael Ragusa. And uh, mutual is like in Orange County, like we do time trades. Uh, Alex actually did it to work for me today, and uh, I'll work for you another day. So the FDNY, they call them mutuals. So anyway, he was his mutual partner, and that day David had uh, he had something to do, and he asked Mike to to work that day for him. And uh, Mike wound up one of the he was on engine two seven nine, and wind up responding to the towers, and he wound up not making it. And uh, so David wound up living with that. Uh, yeah. With survivor's guilt. Uh, sure. For, that, for many years. Yeah. I can understand that. And it's not just the 343 that died. I just read actually today that yeah. 341 firefighters and first responders have lost their lives since 9 11 due to 9 11 related illnesses. So right. the same amount that died in the towers. Talk about a little bit about what it was like in the city after the aftermath of 9-11 as you continue to run calls and help people. Were there a lot of calls based on injuries and smoke inhalation from from things? And how about people experiencing a lot of behavioral or psychological concerns based on what they experienced? Yeah, the the weeks and, and months after, it, it wasn't necessarily, well, if, at least in my experience, it wasn't necessarily uh, like a, smoke inhalation or, or toxic uh, fumes that they inhaled. And we had a lot of 911 calls for that, not at least in the borough of Queens. We had a lot of calls uh, the weeks and months after for anthrax calls, had a, a lot of suspicious envelopes with powder calls, you know, a bomb threat calls. I mean, it was it was insane. It was more than I can even count, whether it was in a subway, whether it was at a bus stop, whether it was at a building. I mean, it was relentless. It was constant calls. It, it got to the point where, I, you know, the city was just terrified. A, a plane would fly over and, and people would, you know, just, man, is this the next one? And I think those, you know, especially fellow New Yorkers can understand, you know, what it was like during these times. Uh, it was uh, a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear, and, and a lot of the calls were related to that. It just got to the point where it was like, man, it was crazy. As far as the psychological effects, um, there was during that time, especially year one, you know, with uh, a lot of, uh, it was, you can imagine with that event, that that magnitude of that event, and what had happened is very difficult to process. You know, a lot of guys on a job, uh, there was a lot of suicides that year. A lot of guys were drinking, uh, doing drugs, uh, and all these other things that were going on that were never reported. And, and again, I had a lot of guys to know how to process it. You know, on the job, we were, we're trained to, to somehow we got to keep working. You know, we got to keep moving. We got to somehow shut that, shut it off. And what happens is, you know, you just, uh, you, you don't properly process it and uh, it manifests in different ways. And that's some of the stuff that I was seeing, and especially that first year, especially with the, all of the funerals that we were going to. I, it was, you can only imagine the, the psychological effect that that had, even till today. A lot of people still haven't processed that. Yeah. I, so, I mean, every first responder faces a battle experienced on a call whether it was 9-11 or something and everybody walks right. away from the job with some form of ptsd 
So obviously experienced the worst of it being there on 9-11. How personally have you been able to process the trauma, what you went through in order to continue to pay it forward and help people to this day? Wow. Yeah, I think part of it, part of my process has been to, you know, again, it, it took even it took a long time to even realize that the, the kind of effect that it had on you know, because they manifest in different ways. Um, and I, I was ultimately, you know, during that time, the department, you can imagine, they didn't know how to deal with that. They they sent a psychologist one day to the, to the station, and that was it. And then you're off to work. I mean, you know how it is in, in our circle. It's the firemen don't talk to anybody. Uh-huh. If you're not a fireman, if you haven't experienced the things that we've experienced, they're not gonna, you know, we're not going to talk to you. And uh, so I, I remember that meeting that day and, and nobody it was just quiet. And uh, but anyhow, you know, it's it just by talking about it, you know, especially with brother Feynman, like I, with my brother, I talk to him all the time. And that's very therapeutic. And it was until years later when I realized I'm like, oh, man, uh, there's things that are wow, that this has affected me. And I sought help through, you know, with the psychologist and all that. And, and it's helped me out tremendously. But even coming on the podcast today and, and on your show and talking about it, 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 believe it or not, it's therapeutic. That's so, great. Yeah. I'm a big believer in talking things out and um, absolutely. also bridging to that, you know, I, and maybe this helped with your therapy as well. Two years ago, you and I and your son participated in the Steven solar tunnel, the towers event. And I know for myself, it was an incredible experience. So talk to me about your experience on that day and what it meant for you being there and, and doing that. Oh, wow. Well, Alex, as you, you know, that we had a wonderful time being there with that event and uh, and, and and recreating the the path that Stephen Stiller walked and and everything that he had gone through uh, it was just a wonderful experience. And remembering my son being very young, like I say, he was six years old uh, when that happened, so he remembers it, you know. But but going back there with him and, and recreating that and and having him experience that with him and 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 you remember, Alex, as we're going through the. Uh, it was a broken battery tunnel and going at the running uh, nearing the end of it and you see all the firemen out there with all the pictures of all of the uh, all of our brothers and sister firemen that had passed uh, and seeing their pictures and and then clapping and cheering it was such an emotional experience um and again my son you know when we talk about it it, it was something that we'll never forget and we'll, we'll always cherish and and we're very grateful to be able to experience that with you as well and so um, it was wonderful. You feel that that, that moment actually kind of helped with some of the uh, healing from the trauma because you were able to kind of put it all together being back Absolutely. there. So. Absolutely. It felt like it, it came full circle in some way. You know, I, um, again, it was never ran. I've never done that. You know, in fact, that was the first time I've actually gone with my son uh, and uh, experienced that. And so it was very emotional for him and, and uh, it'll be standing there, you know, because again, I, I dealt with survivor's guilt for a long time. And uh, to be able to be standing there and, and to be able to be with my son and to be with you and, and to be with so many others that are experiencing that was uh, something I'll never forget. It, it, it was, it was, uh, it was very therapeutic. It was very, it, it was healing. It was, it was uh, something that I needed. Yeah, it was uh, obviously an incredible experience of what you went through. And, you know, I really appreciate you sharing your story with us here today. So thank you. Special thanks to you, uh, Lieutenant Jose Cotti, for sitting down with us today on the 22nd anniversary of September 11th. 
If you have any questions or would like to comment on today's episode, please make sure to do so on whatever platform you're listening on or email us at thefiremarkethotmail.com. We'll hear your questions and comments on our next episode. Once again, Lieutenant Cotty, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Alex. Thank you for having me on. It's been a, a great experience. And, and again, as today, as we reflect, you know, remember the families and, and remember those who uh, gave the, the ultimate sacrifice. My story is nothing in comparison to those who gave their lives uh, on this day. So those are the ones that we remember. Absolutely. Well said. So thank you all for listening and we will see you next time on the fire mark. <laughs>